Thanks, guys, for that announcement. I just, I love, Kristen, I love what you said, Sharika. I love what y'all said. Um, it just, I was really sensing that y'all had both experienced the Lord's goodness. And it's, it, it was welling up in both of you guys to share that with the room and say, look, y'all, I've tasted and I've seen it. I need you all to taste and see it as well. And that just lines up perfectly with what I'm finna talk about. So, um... Y'all, the band is going to come up and uh, they're already up. They're going to do one more song. So, Lord, I, I mean, so y'all, I ask that y'all um, receive the words of this song. Participate, engage with God. I know we usually have our response time at the end where we, like, come to the altar and pray and cry or whatever. But I would just love for us to challenge ourselves in this moment to hear the words of the songs. Let it soak in us um, and just be present with God and with each other. to the river all who are thirsty come and drink come to the table all who are hungry come and feast those who
from Isaiah is anyone thirsty come and drink even if you have no money come take your choice of wine or milk it's all free why spend your money on that that which does not give you strength why pay for food that does you no good listen to me and you will eat what is good you will enjoy the finest food Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will taste and see that you are good. I will taste and see that you are good. I will taste and see that you are good. Good to me. Come on, offer that prayer up to the Lord. Say, I will taste, I will taste, and see that you are. Sing, I will taste, and see that you are good. I will taste. 
times to you. Our hearts are yours. Our minds are yours. Our bodies are yours, God. Lord, strengthen your people. Comfort your people. Speak to your people. Lord, I pray that you will prepare our hearts to hear your word. Speak to us tonight. Let us know which direction you would have us to take, God. We love you, Lord. We love you, God. We honor you. We adore you, Lord. We love you, God. We love you, God. We bless your holy and righteous name. It's the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. The only name given under heaven whereby we can be saved. The only uh, the only name under heaven where we even have a shot at making it, even have a shot at living this life fully and completely. It's the name of Jesus. And Lord, we anticipate the day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that name. But until that day, we will shout that name from the highest mountaintops, from the highest rooftops so that the world would see that you are good, God, that they would see us and then see you, God. We bless that holy and righteous name. Let us all say amen. Amen. Hey, y'all. All right. My name is Aaron. I am a worship and teaching pastor here at East End Fellowship. Um, and I'm just so glad to see y'all today. Um, do we have any first-time visitors here? First-time visitors in the house? Hey, y'all. Welcome. So glad to see you. How you doing? We're not going to have you, like, stand up and say, like, what church you come from and bring in greetings from 
Mount Zion Baptist Church. No, we're not going to do that. But we are really, really glad to see you. If you have any questions, if you're unsure about anything, there are folks in the back-ish, or I think they're actually seated now, but they have name tags on that say, how can I serve you? That's our hospitality team. They want to serve you. They want to help you. If you have any questions after the service, you can come talk to me. You can come talk to Toya. She's right here. She has the little pigtails on, and she was um, she was singing her, doing her good singing earlier. So please, we, we're glad that you're here. We're glad to see you. All right, I'm just going to jump right in. So we've been on a journey, right? We've been talking about the gospel made visible. Jordan, could you put up that first slide? The gospel made vis- visible. Exploring spiritual family for the 21st century. And this sermon series, it is food for us. It's word that we need to hear, but it's also a little bit of like, hey, y'all, uh, spiritual family is a biblical idea. So that means you need to be a part of one. And we have this whole house church initiative as a way to get the ball rolling on forming spiritual family. And we'd love it for each of you to join a house church. If you need more information about that, you can email Fellowship at gmail.com. You can talk to me after service. You can talk to Toya after service. House church, the small group, the small gathering is where a lot of the work of spiritual family gets done. It's valuable. We need it. And I know we're being pushy, but it's because God told us to. So, amen. Be obedient. We being obedient so y'all can be obedient. Amen. Okay, so we have a lens through which we're looking at being spiritual family. And that lens is called the four-part gospel. Now, that may be a term that's kind of um, unfamiliar to people in the room, but I'm going to explain it. Don't worry about it. So I think a lot of us might be familiar with the regular old gospel that don't have, you know, parts to it. And it's really like a two-part gospel. So the regular old gospel that I learned growing up, somebody said, and I was an honor Sunday school student. I mean, they broke the mold when it came to me. I was in Sunday school every single Sunday. My mom had me in Sunday school. I couldn't even really talk for real, but I was walking and I was in my own Sunday school class. And my teacher was my auntie and she was making us learn our father. We had Bible verses to memorize. But anyway, I've been in Sunday school for a really, really long time. And they would always be like, tell me, they were like, class, tell me what the gospel is. And I'd be like, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they'd be like, uh, yes, that's it. And that's a, that's a great answer. That's good news for us that Jesus came, that Jesus died, that was buried, and he was resurrected to all power and all glory. That's great news for us. But why is it good news? Great. That's why we are expanding a little bit our understanding of the gospel. It's also true, but we want to start at the beginning. It didn't start with the death, burial, and resurrection. It started with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's where it begins, right? So we have creation. Jordan, if you go to the next slide. We have creation, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But let's not forget, we also have this gospel where it's like, in the beginning, God created heavens and earth, and then he made Adam and Eve, and then God said, Adam and Eve, y'all are great, but if y'all even touch the fruit of that particular, I'm going to tear y'all up. That's, and then, then they disobeyed, and then there was a the fall, and then we had the death, burial, and resurrection. That's a little bit more, but that's still not quite enough. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made the, he made the world in spheres, right? So he had light from dark and he filled that space with the sun, the moon and the stars. There was a separation of waters and land and he filled the land, uh, I'm sorry, separations of water and sky and he filled that with the fish and the birds uh, and then there was dry land and earth and he filled that with vegetation and land animals and 
God did all of this and he created man and woman. He looked at all of it and said, man, I outdid myself. He looked at it and declared it good. We've got to start when we're understanding the gospel to understand when God first set out at this, he looked at it and said it was good. Everything on this earth that came from God was good in its original conception and in, and in its original production. It was good, right? So yes, there is a part of the story where God said, Adam and Eve, you know, um, Y'all have dominion, exercise that over the, uh, the birds and the animals and all over creation. He said, but listen, do this one thing for me. Leave that tree of the knowledge of good and evil alone. I don't know. There are a lot of theories as to why God had the tree in there in the first place. I'm not necessarily the person to ask, but when Pastor Don get back in town, y'all can call him. Y'all can ask Pastor Doug. But all I know is that God said that. And yes, Adam and Eve rose up in themselves and they say, you know what? Um, I think. I'm going to go ahead and eat of this tree, right? So there we have the fall. Boom. Creation, first part of the four-part gospel. Second part is the fall. Then the world becomes this really depraved place because we are all slaves to our own wills, slaves to our own desires. There's no one to help us. There's no one to save us. We try to obey God. We try to obey the commandments that God has given from on high, but it's not working. It's not working. So God sends Jesus, right? And that's where we have the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's redemption. We are saved from our sin. Though God had the earth, he created it, and he said it was good. Then Adam and Eve messed everything up and we followed right along with that pursuing uh, you know erecting idols to our own wills follow right along but then God said you know what I'm gonna send myself and settle this once and for all these people are now saved they're no longer bound to sin they no longer have to live lives of sin I'm saving them right so we have creation fall redemption but then there's another part because it doesn't just stop with you saved and that's it right it's not like I rescued you and then y'all can just go about your business no there's another part uh there's the holy spirit was given to us right that's a part of the redemption but another thing that's coming and it hasn't even come in its fullness and that's restoration is that up there yes restoration at one point at some point in the future it has not happened yet but it is happening in god's church god is going to restore everything to the way he originally intended it y'all track it with me Right, so we're looking at uh, why the need for a spiritual family through this lens. I think it's a really creative lens. I'm really glad Doug did this. Right, so the question that we ask, if you could go back one slide, Jordan, to creation. The question that we ask is why do I have such a deep longing for spiritual family? Now, as an aside, y'all, if y'all been here the past three weeks, I'm sorry. Doug gave me the job of landing the plane. Some of us haven't been here the whole time. So I got to go through each part. But just bear with me. Pray with me. Pray for me. Amen. Amen. Okay. We learned in week one that God created us in God's own image, right? Do y'all remember that Doug had the, the Play-Doh that he um, mushed up, right? So in the um, in Doug's illustration, he was saying that God made man out of clay, right? He formed the clay together. And he fashioned it the way that he wanted it to. And he was like, oh, yeah, this is great. Adam, you're looking great. He breathed. <sighs> on Adam and the breath of life came into Adam and Adam became a living soul and Eve came from Adam's rib. We talked all about that, but there's this interesting image that Doug presented to us, right? It was like he had the clay 
And he said that each person, because we're all made in the image of God, had a handprint of God on him or her. So when Adam and Eve were in the garden, it was like the hand of God before the fall, before they were disobedient, the hand of God rested on, on both of them. And I think that the hand of God is such a powerful image, right? I think we can use that to uh, kind of understand like the manifest presence of God, the concentrated presence of God. Think about it as like a connection that never ends. Like God and Adam and Eve were beautifully intertwined. They were beautiful beautifully connected. There was no separation, right? So there's this handprint of God that God uh, God has his hand in the in the chest of Adam and of Eve and they're walking together in the cool of the night. Everything is great. And here we see the first picture of spiritual family, right? Because it wasn't just Adam and God and it wasn't just Eve and God. It was Adam and Eve and God. And the three of them together dwelt in really beautiful community, right? So that's why we have such a longing for community. It's for spiritual family. It's because God designed us that way. God designed us to want to be around other people and with him. It's kind of like how God eternally exists, right? God is eternally existent in the, in the form of the Trinity. God, Father, Son, Spirit, existing in perfect community for all time before we could even think and after we're all dead and gone and raised in glory. God exists in that. We're made in God's image. And so we were made to have that sort of connection with God and with each other. So that's why we have that longing. But up here comes the fall, right? And it's why, um, the question is, why do I find it so hard to give myself to spiritual family? Here's what happened. Let's just say God actually did have his hand on Adam and Eve and they just were walking around. He was laying hands on them all day long, every single day. When Adam and Eve disobeyed, they disconnected themselves from the source, right? But... How many know that if God's hand is on your life, it's not going to leave nothing. It's going to leave a a print. It's going to leave a mark, right? So there's this void that they're having in their lives because they disconnected from the source. And that's why we're also like, uh, Doug used this phrase called, um, there's a God-sized void. There's a void that only God can fill. Only when we have, when we're connected to God, that hampered is connected. Do we feel fulfilled and sustained and like we have, um, meaning? But there's another aspect to it. It does create, because of the disconnection, it does create a longing for God, but it also creates a longing for right relationship between people and right relationship between humanity. Because if you think about it, the spiritual family was God and Adam and Eve. And when God, when the source got disconnected, it was like it all got broken. So during the fall, man, Adam and Eve was just like, well, um, I'm sure their marriage was on the rocks. Let me tell you why I know that their marriage was on the rocks. Because, um, God said, hey, look, um, after Adam and Eve had ate the, ate the apple or ate the fruit, he was like, hey, man, what's going on with y'all? Why y'all acting weird? And Adam and Adam was like, God was like, well, did you eat what I told you not to eat? And Adam was like, it was the woman that you gave me. I don't know. She was probably like blinking white man meme like excuse me like how dare you even like say that do y'all if y'all on social media you know the meme that i'm talking about but yeah they were just like 
I know that was a long walk out the garden after Eve was like, how are you just going to throw me under the bus like that to the father? So not only was relationship between God and humanity broken, but relationship between person and person was broken. And also the relationship between uh, humanity and the created world, that was out of order and that was broken. So why do we find it so hard to give it, give ourselves to spiritual family? It's because one, broken people hurt people, right? That's what Doug said. We get a little too, somebody hurts our feelings. People in the church hurt our feelings and that's a real thing. Church hurt is like a real, real thing. And people hurt our feelings and we just are like, you know what? I'm good. I don't need to do the church thing. That's fine. Like that's why it's so hard for us to connect to a spiritual family. But it's crazy how the enemy works, though, because if you think about it, it was God, Adam, Eve, right? Like the three of them together. And it's crazy how, like, even in our lives today, it's like, we're, it's okay for us to pursue right relationship with one aspect or another, but not necessarily all three. Like, for example, it's okay for me to be like, you know what? I'm going to just get myself together. I'm going to be healthy and well and whole. I'm just going to self-care. These are good things. Don't think I'm minimalizing this. I'm just, I'm just going to engage in self-care. It's I'm just going to take care of me. That's all good and fine. Or we can say, you know what? I'm just going to spend time and invest in this relationship. This is exactly where I need to be putting my energy. This is where I need to be putting my time. I feel really good about this. I am going to put in the effort to make this relationship work. Or you could say, I care about the earth and the environment and the animals, and I'm going to spend my life pouring myself out on behalf of the created world. Or you could say, it's just me and God in this silo right here. It's just me and the Savior. That's it. I don't need nobody else. Long as I got King Jesus, I don't need anyone, anyone else. But... But here's the thing. So you can, it's, it's cool for you to be like, all right, I'm gonna take care of me or I'm gonna take care of Bay or I'm gonna just be with me and God. But listen, the enemy don't want us to put those three things together, right? Because how many know that a cord of three strands is not easily broken? I feel like it's a true, it's a tool of the enemy to keep us focused on one thing or the other, but not all three. But we need to have all three because when Adam and Eve were walking in the garden, it was him, it was her, and it was God, and they were moving in locks step together and if the church would just move in lockstep with each other and with God there would be nothing stopping us so the devil don't want us to do that he just want us to stick with let me just you know be with myself or babe it ain't all about that <laughs> amen <laughs> all right so we looked at why is it so hard to give myself to spiritual family? Because people hurt our feelings, but also because this old raggedy flesh don't want to do it. I mean, we, and I'm preaching, I'm talking about myself, y'all. I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about myself. When it comes time to like do house church or be intentional about Christian community, I'll be like, it's so hard. It's so much effort. Why would I expend this effort? It should be easy. It should come naturally. But like, sis, your boyfriend been cheating on you for like four years and you still trying to work it out. Like, you can expend some energy making intentional relationships with the people of God. Like, that's okay. Y'all not mad at me. Y'all mad at me? I'm preaching right. See, we want to invest in what we want to invest in, but it's like the enemy sees when we get all them three cords together, like it just, it would be 
night lights, not nights out, night, lights out, KO time for the enemy. But anyway, okay. So redemption. The question for redemption is, Jordan, can you do the next slide? Thanks, poo-poo. All right. Why do I feel most alive when I'm in a healthy spiritual family? All right. So that was the um that was the Mr. Potato Head uh sermon, right? Really, all of us were strangers and enemies to God. Every single one of us. We were born in sin, shaping in iniquity, like the psalmist says. We just didn't know what was up. We were kind of like zombies. Y'all, did anybody watch zombie pictures? No, y'all saved. Y'all don't watch that. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I like, I like stuff with zombies, The Walking Dead. I was, um, watching, I actually started to show a clip of World War Z today, um, but then I thought about Becca Granger, and I just was like, I can't do that to that sweet baby. Like, she would be torn to pieces. Um, but yeah, so we were literally like zombie, like we just were the undead. We were dead in our sins, just acting off of instinct. But Jesus Christ came and rescued us. Jesus Christ came and found us. And he took that whole zombie army that we were and gave us newness of life and put us together, right? Not only are we just, you know, alive on our own, when he puts us together, we became a chosen priesthood, uh, chosen, I'm sorry, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. Jesus Christ's sacrifice did that for us. Let me actually, let's actually look at, um, Jordan, can you put up the Mr. Potato Head slide? See, that's what the church looks like right now, right? That's just God took some zombies. We just put some pieces together and made it functional, right? Um, pleasant to look at kind of, kind of goofy, you know what I'm saying? But it's imperfect, right? The, the bride of Christ is imperfect. We've been saved, but we're still in this world of sin. We still have this body of death that's attached to us. We still have that muscle memory that wants to rise up in us. So it's a little bit wonky looking like Mr. Potato Head. It could, go to the next slide. It could be, huh? Huh, somebody? That's Idris Elba. Some of y'all ain't know who that was last week. This is Idris Elba. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. But we, listen, but we not there yet. Come on, somebody. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. But we not there yet, right? Because we're just at the redemption. God has, Christ has saved us through the power of his blood. We're Mr. Potato Head. But oh, look at what's coming, honey. When everything is said and done, the bride of Christ. Somebody ought to get glad about that. Cool. All right. Jordan, you can, that's distracting. Jordan, can you put it on the first slide? Um, he's so fine, y'all. I just don't know. I'm, I'm like grinning right now. <clears throat> so I feel most alive when I'm a healthy, in a, when I'm in a healthy spiritual family because Christ has breathed life, in, life into us. Again, the Holy Spirit gives us life. We were dead and now we're alive. So when we're participating in spiritual family, it's great. We love that. It's like a taste of what's to come. Like Mr. Potato Head got arms and legs and eyes and stuff. So does Idris, but it's not quite the same. It's like it's hinting towards what 
could be. And restoration is where we are today. That's what I'll be talking about briefly. God doesn't stop at taking what was messed up and making it usable and workable. It's actually going to come back around full circle and everything will be remade and restored to its original glory. We won't stay Mr. Potato Head. We going to be a fine somebody as the bride of Christ when it's all said and done. So I want to actually think about when I talk, when I talked about the uh, four part gospel in the past, I've always been like a little bit like, mm, what is really the difference between redemption and restoration? That just, it feels like shades of the same word. And, um, you know, I know that we've been redeemed to newness of life and we've been, but I, I feel like somebody could also say we've been restored to new life. So I, it just felt interchangeable to me now. And here's the difference that I see now. The greatest story that has ever been told, the story of God redeeming the earth, could not have ended with just redemption. Redemption is beautiful, of course, but if we stopped with redemption, we wouldn't see what God originally intended. We wouldn't experience what God would had originally intended for us to experience. Now, There's a definition of redemption. It says, redemption is the action of being saved from sin, error, or evil. Is there, there, yep. Uh, Is the act of being saved from sin, error, or evil. Also, it's the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. We've been bought with a price. The Bible tells us that over and over. We are not our own. We belong to God. We are saved, and that's the act of redemption. Restoration, though, is the action of returning something to a former owner, owner, place, or condition. All right, so cool. Let's look at an example. Next slide, I think. All right, so this is a 1933 McLaughlin Buick Coupe. It was, um, it's built in Canada. It's super rare. There aren't any for real. I mean, there's maybe like 12 that are out there in the world. And a Vancouver, a Vancouver man paid $300 for it in 1966. And he originally planned to rebuild it to do a quick, um, well, he, he planned to do a quick rebuild to drive it across country, um, for like a vintage car tour. Not across this country, across Canada, which feels different to me. I feel like Canada's humongous. Uh, he put, but instead he saw he, as he was beginning the like repair process, he looked and he saw that there was this, um, engraving on it. It was like not for production or not for sale. It was like an original, like prototype car. So he purposed in his mind, he said, I'm finna, um, put this thing all the way back together. So if you look at the next picture, that's, that's the young man, right? I didn't write his name down, but this is the young gentleman that restored this car. He restored it to its original, like, specifications. Like, it took this man 33 years to restore this car. Now, he might have found, I'm not sure where he found that car, but the car was dilapidated. It was in disrepair. It was not workable. It was not usable, but he bought it. And he gave it a nice, you know, put it in a garage, gave it a nice home. He might have, you know, maybe got it running. But he didn't just stop at the purchase. No, he restored it to its full glory. So that's the difference between redemption and restoration. Redemption, my man brought the car. It would have been junked. He brought it to a nice place. It took care of it. But restoration is restoring it to its original glory. So that's the difference. Y'all tracking with me? All right, all right, cool, cool, cool. All right, so restoration. 
here we are, finally. This is the last week of uh, this sermon series. Why do I want other people to experience spiritual family? That's a good question. I'm always just like, y'all, Doug be giving me the evangelism sermons, and that just isn't my gifted, but God want me to hear this. So that's why I'm preaching it. So um, listen, y'all, if you know me, you know I don't share food. Like, you just know, don't go out with me and stick your fork on my plate. That's not what's fitting to happen. But actually, hospitality team, could y'all come and bring out what, 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 uh, yeah, God bless y'all. They're beautiful. Yeah, I, it's like Joey from Friends. You know, have y'all seen that episode where he has this, um, thank you, Stacy. So Joey from Friends, he has this, like, delicious looking sandwich right and he people it smells so good i feel like they're in the cab or something and he just is like i don't share food but i just what always troubled me with that was bro why is it taking you all day and night to eat it just eat it like i liked food too much to just have it sit around smelling good he just had it smelling delicious anyway so i don't share food y'all pray for me for that but I really, really, really like my friends to experience the things that I like. So, hey, there's some things being passed around. It's um, the pear and olive oil muffin from WPA. That's my favorite thing, y'all. Like, I'm trying to like do right and eat right and exercise and stuff, but let me smell a pear and olive oil muffin. It's all out the window. So, yeah, it's just it does have gluten in it. I, it I, I wanted to get the gluten-free one, but I hadn't tasted that one. I couldn't vouch for it. So I got the glutinous one. I'm sorry, y'all. I don't want y'all stomachs to hurt. But it's a little piece. You're welcome, you guys. Pass it like an offering plate. Y'all remember offering from, like, we do offering a little bit different. But, like, in old churches, they pass the plate. So just take it and pass it. Just touch your own piece. Amen. Amen. Is it good, y'all? It's so good. Doesn't that name sound gross? Pear and olive oil. I said, there's no way in the world I'm finna enjoy no muffin called pear and olive oil. But I was delighted upon my first interaction. But that's like a natural thing that people do. You experience something good and you just are like, man, you got to experience this. You've got to share that. You've got to know what I know about this. It's like if you are out with your friends and um, some, and y'all at, like, let's say y'all at the shopping mall and um, Somebody in a very comical way that causes no energy uh, injury falls down the escalator, right? Or it's tripping up the escalator. I don't know. You just look with your friend, like look, 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 look. Like there's just something in that Sharika. Man, I thought about you when I had that example. Look, 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 look. It's just something in us. It's like you're my friend. I want you to see, partake in this joy. Let's laugh together. There's just something in us that just oh and we see listen we saw that in the garden of eating um poor little eve ate that doggone um piece of fruit and she tasted it and saw that it was delicious and she went to her man and said why don't you have some it's a natural thing she loved it she wanted her bae to experience it it led to the downfall of everything but it's still a natural reaction so another example is I love movies, y'all. Please, 
y'all, I love, I love this church because I tell y'all that I binge Netflix and I do, I watch all kinds of weird stuff and y'all still love me and let me talk to y'all. Um, but one of my favorite movies ever is Bridesmaids. I'm not encouraging anybody to see it, but it's just, whew. and I saw it like six or seven times in the theaters. In the theaters, I paid eleven fifty, and but the thing was, I kept bringing a different friend to come see it, and like I would like. After like the fifth time, I knew everything that was gonna happen. So I just would be sitting and watching my like sitting and watching my friends smiling. Like so, if Jessica was with me, she would be watching it, and I see her laughing. I just be looking at her laughing. <laughs> I'd be like, "Did you like that? That was like it just is like." I just enjoy that. Me and Toya, we both love books. And so if I read a book that I think is fantastic, I'm like, Toya, you got to read it. If I read a book that is so boring, I'm like, girl, you got to be bored too. If I read, like, I just want, like, the people that I love to experience the things that, I'm, that make a mark on me. So that brings us to Psalm 34. Amen. David. What's your... David says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord and camps around those who fear him and he delivers them taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the one who takes refuge in him now that's a very that's one of my favorites we did the song that's that's part of it i just love it i'll be crying i love it um but there's an interesting backstory to this psalm if you look at the notes above psalm 34 in your bible if you have a study bible it says this was written by david when he had to act a fool in front of abimelech i think actually the person that it, it, anyway, so what, this is what happened. Um, so S- David, right, slew Goliath. Do most of us know, I mean, kill Goliath. Most of us know that story, right? David and Goliath, he was a small shepherd boy. He took some stones. He was like, I come in the name of Jesus. Can you say Jesus Christ? He said, I come in the name of the Lord. And um, he wound it up, kind of like Thor, huh? And like hit the giant in the head and then cut the head off and that's the story and but people were shocked people were like this little shepherd boy out here slaying um slaying giants and our king couldn't even do that our like soldiers couldn't even do that so he became famous and so Saul at first wanted to be friends with him Saul is like man come to the palace you did us a great favor this is my son Jonathan y'all should be friends and they were like best inseparable friends but then Saul made some like weird choices and like he just wasn't in favor with God like he just was walking in sin and like God just was like man I'm tired of him and it just was a weird it was a weird thing going on and so Saul, like, he decided he didn't like David no more and wanted to kill David. And Jonathan and David, Jonathan is Saul's son, mind you. Uh, Jonathan and David are best friends at this point. It wouldn't it be weird if your best friend's daddy wanted to kill you. Like, your best friend is like, hey, uh, you be like, hey, can I come over for some hot dogs? He's like, I don't think now's a good time. My dad has been looking for you. And, like, <laughs> that just is so, like, that's unsettling to me. So anyway, 
Jonathan says to David, he says, David, um, you got to go on and um, you got to get out of here because my daddy is for real trying to kill you. So David takes him and his boys. He had collected an entourage at this point because he's so popular. So David and his boys, they go out to the wilderness. They're running. They're hiding from Saul and from, from Saul's men. So David, this is, in, this is on the first Samuel, if y'all want to check up on me. And in the 21st chapter of first Samuel, David said, uh, comes across this, um, this priest and he just is like, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm hiding from the law. I'm living my life. But then somebody says, Hey man, aren't you date? Aren't you the one that's killed your, um, tens of thousands when our King has only killed thousands. And they were like, Hey man, come over here. This is the guy that he's famous. Yo, I think the King is looking for him. He's right here. And David was like, Oh man. Oh man. Because like if they alerted Saul's people that he was there, he would certainly be killed. It was going to be over. So David did something weird. David said, I'm going to act crazy. And that's what he did. David literally acted crazy. It says that he started banging his head against a rock and foaming at the mouth. It was spit all in his beard. And all the people that recognized him were like, hey, um, <laughs> like it just, they were like, forget it. Never mind. Like, it, I don't think it's you. Like, don't, nah, they just, and so David, after that experience, wrote Psalm 34. He was like, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. Like that's such a weird story for this Psalm. David literally acted a fool and lied. And then out of the abundance of his heart, he was like, I will bless you. Oh Lord, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his iniquities. Don't lie. This is not a lesson to like lie to get out of trouble. But David was a person that had seen the goodness of the Lord. He credited his escape, not to himself, although, you know, he was being weird, but he credited it to God. And he had such an overflow of, man, this is amazing. My God is so good. I want every, he wrote this song. I need everybody to know that I cried out to God and he saved me. He can do the same thing for you. I need everybody to know that like the angel of the Lord is going to encamp around about you. I need everybody to lift up their voices with me and give God a shout of praise because our God is good. I've seen it and you can see it too. That was David's whole heart. And that's really, he had a crazy experience to write that song out of. I believe him. And so you'd think that those of us in this room who have been redeemed who have tasted of the heavenly gift, who know what it's like to be lost and then found, you think that we'd be jumping out of our seats, right, to share the good news with people, not just the good news with people, but inviting them in to be a part of spiritual family. You think so, right? But that, that's not really what some of y'all are gifted like that. And some of y'all are doing, but I think a lot of us feel a lot of anxiety around that. We feel a lot of like, Ooh, I'm not really sure. I think this person has decided to just be agnostic and I just, am going to let them live their lives. Or I think this person is going to cuss at me. We're afraid of rejection, but y'all, we, we were once strangers and enemies of God, right? But we've been brought near to the throne because of Christ's sacrifice. But not only that, we are a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. All of that has been made true for us. So why aren't we excited about inviting others into the spiritual family? 
I mean, so many of us have seen the benefits of spiritual family. There's those of us in this room, I, myself included, like we've been housed. We've been given cars or rides because of spiritual family. People have been done paid our bills. I know, um, is Charles here? Charles Johnson. Anyway, he gave, he got up and testified the other week that, um, he wasn't working for like six months and somebody mailed him a check that covered all expenses. There he is, Charles. Yeah. Somebody mailed him a check that covered all his expenses. I said, if, if there was ever a time to jump up and give God a righteous praise, it's then. But yeah, so I mean, we've seen the natural benefits of spiritual family. We've also seen the emotional benefits of spiritual family. It gives us a place of belonging. Those of us that are members of this church, I think that there are very many of us who would say, yeah, I found a place where I belong. Not all of us can say that, but very many of us. Yeah, I got my clique. I got my crew. If I have a baby, some people are going to bring me some meals. If I'm lonely, I have somebody I can call to go on a nice long walk with. I can walk somebody's dog. I can babysit somebody's kids. Like I feel like I belong. I can have a worship night and sing for hours to the Lord. I have a place of belonging. We've sensed that. We've also sensed uh, the spiritual benefits of spiritual family. Like we've been challenged. We've been held accountable. We've been growing and we've been learning. Those are real things. Has anybody experienced that here? Yeah, right? There's, we've experienced that. We've experienced close friendships that have been like, listen, like for example, Jessica, right? Listen, sometimes I want to do wrong. And Jessica Fox is my roommate. And she'd be like, you are a holy and righteous woman of God. You don't need to make those choices. And I'd be like, there's grace for me. She's like, no, there isn't because you get up and you'll be preaching to these people. And I'd be like, she does it literally all the time. And I'm so grateful. It's literally saved me from a world of regrets, y'all. A world of regret. And so, oh Lord. So, but why don't we, I mean, but we, we also know that it's imperfect, right? Because it's made up of people. But why aren't we sharing this good news with people? And I think a pretty big reason is um, it's become familiar to us. Like, it's not it. She just is like, this is the best. I can't believe because her mama can't cook or doesn't cook or her dad doesn't cook. And they're just like, y'all, girl, it's just spaghetti. Like, why, like, why are you so pressed? And she's just like, oh, this literally happened. I'm remembering a specific memory. She was like, I love this. Mrs. Ro-. And your mama's sitting there looking like, you want... Like, you want some more and some more in the pot, just looking proud. And you're just like, this is a weird thing that's happening right now. But it's because you've forgotten how good your mama's food has been. That woman, listen, your friend, or maybe you're the friend and your mama can't really cook. Like, your friend has lived her whole life not having no good, delicious pot roast and roasted potatoes and carrots and stuff all in the gravy. She's lived her whole life without that. And then she comes to your house and she's tasting it. And seeing it, it just opens up your eyes and you're just like, oh, well, I guess it is good. Or you go to like college or something or 
you just never learned to cook because that wasn't a skill you developed and you're trying to cook for yourself after you're grown and gone and you go back to mama's house and you're just like oh thank you oh this is so nice and your mama's sitting there like there's some more in the pot you want some like but that's just that's what happens to us we get familiar with the good stuff it doesn't move us. So we're not excited to share with people. We don't have that. Look, 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 look. Come see, come see, come see. But y'all, we've got to be like that, y'all. We have life. We have life everlasting. We have family. We ought to be saying, y'all, come on in where the table is spread and the feast of the Lord is going on. Look, look, look. Come see. Come taste this good, delicious meal that's spread out before you and it's free for everybody. That should be bubbling up out of us, but it's not bubbling up out of me y'all I don't have much else to say after that but here's the thing though we sung that song it says I will taste to see that you are sometimes you've got to sit yourself down at the table again you've got to sit yourself down at the table and partake and look we've got the table spread this table is symbolic right of Christ's sacrifice but it's also and we remember that Jesus came and he died for us and because of his stripes were healed the stripes on his body were healed and his blood redeems us it cleanses us past present and future but it's also a reminder that anybody has access to this even if you've been at the table for a while scoot your chair in and eat this good food it is for you it is for your mom it's for your dad it's for your siblings it's for your neighbor eat this good food so that you can go out and tell anybody and everybody how good and how sweet it is for one brethren to dwell together in unity and two to just be in the presence of God that's how we have to be that's how we have to submit ourselves so for those of us Who are feeling like, man, I really wish I could be excited about this. That's okay. God is here. God in the, in Isaiah 55, the passage that I read before I, um, before I started my sermon, it says, come, anybody who's thirsty, come and drink, even if you don't have any money. Come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Don't spend your money on what doesn't satisfy. Don't pay for food that does you no good. Listen to me and you will eat what is good. These are the words of the Lord. God is inviting you. He's beckoning you. He's saying, come to me. I want to be your source. Everything that you need is found in me. He wants to renew you. He wants to renew me. And there are those of us who have in this room who have never tasted yet who don't know how good and how sweet it is to be in the presence of God, to be bought with a price, to have newness of life, to have power over sin, to have power over darkness. Y'all, this table is for you as well. Jesus is inviting you in. So I'm going to ask, we're about to go into a time of communion. I'm going to ask our prayer team if they would line themselves up against the walls. This is an opportunity. We're going to have communion and it's also going to be a time of response. I just want us to take a moment and just be silent and consider where we are when it comes to thinking about experiencing this meal, experiencing spiritual family. Has it been a while since we've tasted and seen?
Could the communion servers please come up? So y'all, I really want y'all to not miss this moment. Don't miss what the spirit is speaking in you. If your heart is burning, I say just get up and go receive prayer. Go get prayer prayed uh, for by somebody, with somebody, have them touch and agree. That's just as a mark. It's a, it's a sign of submission to public. It's a statement that's saying, yeah, I need God's help and I need people in my life. I need people to stand alongside me in this walk and in this journey. First Corinthians 11, 23 to 29 says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. This is my body, which is for you. There's nobody left out in that you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When you participate in this table, you're shouting the name and the legacy of Jesus as loud as possible. You're simultaneously humbling yourself and shouting out, I don't deserve any of this. I'm unworthy. But it's God that's done it. So take a moment. There's two lines. You can file in. The servers are going to have you just take a little piece of the bread. You dip it in the, uh, in the grape juice. If you're gluten-free, there's crackers here. Um, come whenever you're ready. So you came and changed my life 